This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Men and women of our armed forces serve around the world. They put themselves in harm's way so that we and others under their protection may live in peace and security. Many things motivate these warriors, idealism, patriotism, and faith. Faith is especially important in sustaining them in the worst of times. One of the worst outcomes is falling into the hands of the enemy. Both the prisoner and the prisoner's family suffer uncertainty. Faith can sustain them both. A tradition followed in many places honoring those captured or missing is called the missing man table. Items on the display are highly symbolic of their plight. One symbol is a holy Bible, which represents the strength gained through faith to sustain those lost from our country, founded as one nation under God. This was too much for an atheist group that tried to have the Bible removed from a display at a naval hospital in Okinawa, Japan. My guest today is the Reverend Craig Mueller, director of the LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces. We discuss the importance of faith in the military on today's World Lutheran News Digest. And now today's Fast Track. The judge in the Alfie Evans case in England has officially prohibited his parents from flying the 23-month-old boy to Rome, Italy, to take him to a pediatric hospital that's offered to provide appropriate medical care and treatment for him. Alfie's parents had hoped to take the little boy to the hospital in order to potentially get treatment that could help his rare degenerative neurological condition, but... The judge just ruled that Alfie's family would not be able to fly him to Italy for treatment and appeared to say that this was his final decision in the case. The Tennessee capital could soon have a monument to recognize unborn babies who have been killed in abortions. On Monday, the state Senate passed a bill to create the special monument. The vote was 23 to 3. The bill passed the state house last week, but because the Senate amended it, the bill must return to the house for final approval. If State House Bill 2381 is approved and signed by Governor Bill Haslam, the Tennessee Monument to Unborn Children would be placed on the Capitol grounds. No tax dollars would be used to pay for the memorial. Today, the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom released its 2018 annual report documenting religious freedom violations and progress in 28 countries during the calendar year 2017 and making recommendations to the U.S. government. The report reads, sadly, religious freedom conditions deteriorated in many countries in 2017, often due to increasing authoritarianism or under the guise of countering terrorism. Religious leaders in Chicago are fighting to end a lawsuit filed by an atheist group that would impose upwards of $1 billion in taxes for churches around the nation. The lawsuit was filed by the Freedom From Religion Foundation. The case aims to end the parsonage allowance. That's a federal tax provision used by religious establishments such as churches, mosques, and synagogues, which offer housing allowance to help religious leaders live in the communities they serve. 
The parsonage allowance, which was enacted in Congress 64 years ago, allows tax exemptions for religious leaders, similar to exemptions already in place for teachers, business leaders, and military service members, among others. Facing an extremely stressful situation that could have resulted in hundreds of deaths, Southwest pilot Tammy Jo Schultz safely landed her severely damaged airplane in Philadelphia last week after an engine exploded. In the aftermath, the passengers on the plane, as well as many of the media, hailed her as a hero, and rightfully so. It turns out that Tammy Jo Schultz is a committed Christian who loves sharing her faith. In the aftermath, Schultz has been eager to give credit to God, even referring to herself as merely the co-pilot. Speaking for Schultz, her longtime friend Stacy Thompson relayed that Schultz wants people to know that God was there with her. He helped her in getting control of that plane and landing that plane. World Lutheran News Digest will be back right after these messages. Hi, I'm Pastor Ted Lesh, pastor at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in North St. Louis County, inviting you to listen to our KFUO radio worship broadcasts on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. Active worship, preaching, music, and singing are part of every one of our services at chapel. Join us Sunday nights at 6. It's one more broadcast worship opportunity for you from your friends at Chapel of the Cross and KFUO Radio. Listening to Worldwide KFUO on the go with your smartphone doesn't mean you have to walk around with earbuds all day. You can Bluetooth across the room to a speaker system in your home or listen on radios that have built-in smartphone cradles. There are many easy ways to listen to WorldwideKFUO.org on the air, online, and on demand. We proclaim the clear gospel message of Christ crucified for our sins. The messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO. Este é Notícias Luteranas pelo Mundo. This is World Lutheran News Digest. I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is the Reverend Craig Mueller, who is a retired Navy captain and is the director of the LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces. Craig, welcome aboard. Well, thank you, Kip. It's great to be here as always. As I said, welcome aboard because you're a retired Navy captain. That's right. I understood that lingo. That's very nice. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> The, there's a lot going on in terms of uh, faith in the military, uh, both good and bad news. We went through a really bad spell, I think, with the prior administration that restricted a lot of religious liberties within the armed forces. The current administration seems to be on a little bit of a different, uh, actually a very great different uh, tact to uh, reinforce it. And I think one of the things that is brought out you as a as a former military man and you know, I'm a lifelong civilian but I've known a lot of military people my dad was in the World War two my nephew was in a desert storm and the importance of faith to the military person uh, you're going to put you're going to be putting your life in danger you know that and so you have to have something to hang on to but even more importantly I think is what happens when you're taken prisoner by a savage enemy. What sustains you throughout the horrible, horrible role of being a prisoner of war? One of the things uh, that we do, we uh, as Americans, to commemorate the plight of POWs is what's called a missing man table. Can you explain about that a bit? Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a, it's been a long uh, tradition with uh, various... Uh 
elements, I guess, if you would say, on the on the table to remind and recall those who have gone before us. A lot of times, military functions, uh, balls or uh, birthday balls, or even at the chow halls or the dining facilities, there would be one table set aside that was known as the missing man or missing M-I-A-P-O-W table to remind the active duty and current personnel that, hey, we've got, we have those that are unaccounted for who have suffered in, as prisoners of war or are missing in action. Now, of course, many are presumed to be killed in action, but we haven't found their remains. So it's just a, it's another honor tradition that the military has to recall those who have gone before us. And everything on the table is symbolic. There's the empty plate, which symbolizes the the person who's absent from the from the family's dinner. There's the lemon to show just how bitter the the loss and the experience is. There's the pinch of salt, you know. And now it shouldn't be controversial, but it happened. Was the Bible? Some oftentimes they put a Bible up there to show the faith that sustained both the families and the prisoners through these horrible ordeals. And wouldn't you know it? Our good friend Mikey Weinstein with his atheist group filed a protest against the display of the Bible and the missing man table at Okinawa. Yes, yes, he did. And and again, I think, you know, has it always been on every table? Probably not, you know, but it, once again, it, it's a symbolic uh, table to remind us and recall. So when uh, that part of the display is there, it's just to recognize those those of faith, Certainly there are those who have no faith, but those who have faith, it's a lifeline for them. That is what sustains them. And as you and I were talking before the show, we know of many prisoners of war that say it was their faith oh, yes. that got them through this. It was nothing else, um, just their belief in God that he would not abandon them and it gave them the strength to to sustain those horrible ordeals. So it has been a tradition in many uh, events and many prisoner of war tables to, to have the, the, the Bible on, on the table. And uh, we did sort of score a victory, I think, in the Okinawa situation where the uh the uh, table that was put inside the U.S. Uh, Naval Hospital there was investigated, not investigated, the complaint was taken by Rear Admiral Paul Perrigan, and he refused to remove the Bible from the display, and he said that neither further review nor an investigation of this matter is necessary. Well, that certainly is good news, and I think, Kip, one of the biggest concerns I have with all of these movements is that we are really trying to strip the men and women who voluntarily serve our nation from their free exercise of religion, that when they sign up to defend our right to worship and free exercise, that somehow they leave theirs at the door Mm -hmm. when they go to boot camp. And so to keep taking the Bible out of these places or withdrawing any kind of uh, religious support is really detrimental to the men and women who grew up in faith-filled families and, and want that opportunity to exercise their faith. So why would we, why would anyone want to take away a lifeline from our service members that they could cling to in time of need, uh, trials, combat, uh, depression, as we know. We also have a serious issue with suicide among oh, yeah. our military and our veterans. And so often they will uh, sue and try to keep us from bringing up any kind of religious support for during suicide training. And again, why would you take away a lifeline? Now, it may not be for them. For some people, that's fine. You know, that's what pluralism is all about. You can have no faith. That's great. But that doesn't give you the right to deny those who have faith to receive that faith or to exercise that faith in what they do. And the removal of that lifeline has got to have a horrible impact on troop morale. And that affects fighting ability. 
Oh, absolutely. I, you know, there have been debates, too, and they get very offended. Some do if we say there's no atheists in foxholes. But I think we talked about that in another show that, <laughs> you know, I can only speak anecdotally, but uh, any when I was in combat with my Marines and sailors and, and some soldiers uh, that served with us, uh, they're pretty, their faith, once again, uh, is what they asked for, a prayer from me as their chaplain before they went into combat, a prayer of thanksgiving when they returned. It, it was a, a genuine faith that they wanted to exercise and appreciate it. And I can't imagine we as a a country or as a military telling them that they can't have that, mm-hmm. that they can't have access to that, which sustains them. A personal experience I had, as I mentioned, I've, I've not served active duty. Uh, but as a reporter, I once had the privilege of interviewing, uh, at the time, his retired Rear Admiral Jeremiah Denton. Uh, Jeremiah Denton had been shot down over Vietnam in 1966 and was taken prisoner by the, Viet- by the North Vietnamese. I think he spent something like four years in solitary. He was horribly abused. He was tortured repeatedly. In fact, he was the man who uh, the North Vietnamese put him in front of a TV camera from a friendly... Uh, uh, from a friendly communist country, and he actually blinked in Morse code, torture. And it actually got through to our side, and when that came out, he, apparently he was beaten badly once again, and he was tortured repeatedly for no real reason except to break his spirit. And he was very upfront with me that what sustained him through eight years of absolute hell, his biography, by the by, by, the by is called When Hell Was in Session, story of his uh, experiences in Vietnam at the Hanoi Hilton, was the fact that he was a devout Christian and knew that God would not abandon him. He had made a, a little small crucifix that he hid underneath his, his sleeping mat. And he told me that one of the guards, apparently, was a secret Christian. And when no one else was around, the guard would pray with him. That's amazing. It was. I mean, that God could find him in the solitary confinement in the Hanoi Hilton? Yeah, that's it. Well, that's just a classic example. I can't even imagine eight years of that kind of uh, a treatment. But, you know, for him to give all credit to God that it was his faith that, that got him through it. And again, that circles back. and It's a great illustration of what I'm saying is that part of our beautiful part of our freedom of religion is that our soldiers, sailors, airmen, marine and coast guards can have that lifeline, that they can have faith and they can exercise that faith and still be honorable service members, you know, uh, and serve their country selflessly and uh, and honorably. So it's one of the things that we do, you know, is in our church while we provide chaplains and is for that very reason to provide that important support and ministry to the men and women who can't have access to a congregation because they're going in mm-hmm. isolated places, uh, deployments, austere conditions, and where they're going to get their, uh, you know, their, their faith fed. And mm-hmm. so we provide chaplains and that's, what's been upheld by the courts for many years is that it's really the first, ex- first, uh, amendment clause of free exercise that allows chaplains to serve and that we have the freedom to have religion. As a professional military man, how does faith affect combat readiness? Oh, it's very important. In fact, a lot of times uh, you'll see even lately um, all the service branches may refer to it a different way, but they are now calling it maybe spiritual fitness, which of course maybe is you know an umbrella term, so you can almost put anything in there, what's spiritual mean. Mm-hmm. But 
uh, clearly it shows for me, again, I'll speak anecdotally with my time, and I'm sure many chaplains who are listening or or have served or maybe service members who served who had a chaplain will know that it was a huge part of of their being able to serve honorably, to uh, treat people with dignity and respect, even though they may have just killed some of their comrades or they, you know, were blowing up. I mean, they see so many horrendous things, but yet they kept the higher ground because of their understanding of God created them. God loves them to even their enemy and those who persecute you, but to sustain them, to go through all that. Uh, yeah, I, those who could talk to me openly, they don't know how they could have gotten through it without their faith. Oh. I mean, so they don't know what it's like not to have it. Another, um, Serviceman I interviewed many many years ago. Gosh, am I dating myself now? <laughs> this guy was a uh, he was a bomber pilot in World War II, and it turned out he was the only Jewish member in a in a squadron. And what would happen is that before they would take off for a mission, there'd be a service for the Catholics and a service for the Protestants. And he was the only Jewish guy, and there was no rabbi attached. And he said one day the Protestant chaplain walked up to him and said. Uh, uh, you're Jewish? Because yeah, I said, well, do you have a Jewish prayer book on you? And the guy says, yeah, but I don't read Hebrew. And the minister said, I do. <laughs> and uh, they prayed before each mission. And he said, from that point on, that Protestant minister met him at before and after every mission. The fact that he spoke uh, Hebrew, what do you want to bet it was a Lutheran? It could be, because we understand the two realms. You know, the chaplain there was functioning as, I would say, even as a military officer, and this Jewish airman had the right. I guess back then it was probably an army. Yeah, army corps, or, yeah, air, air force. Air corps, yeah. Yes. So, but either way, he he had the right to free exercise. So mm-hmm. it was a chaplain's job. If he couldn't provide it himself, he could facilitate it and get him his prayer book and translate whatever it is to help him, so he could exercise oh. his faith. That's what that's what it's all about. It's not freedom from religion. It's freedom of. And then, mm-hmm. of course, there is freedom from too. If people they don't have to believe, but yeah. uh, those are all options. Well, we, we've seen a. A sea change, I think, in the past administration where politics really entered into the armed forces, especially through the chaplain corps, through the chaplaincy. What were some of the interferences that suddenly that we we faced? I think the biggest challenge that we continue to face uh, as we unpack it is um, the equal opportunity where transgender and homosexual and other cultural issues are being treated almost as a protected category class, which isn't covered under law for the rest of America. Again, I'm not a lawyer, so uh, I'm just sharing my experience of what they said. So in other words, if uh, a homosexual couple, a chaplain refused to do the marriage because their faith says that they believe marriage is between one man and one woman, so therefore they couldn't do the the marriage. Someone could charge them with, well, you're discriminating against equal opportunity for them because you're not discriminating. Try to equate it with race or something mm-hmm. else. And so that's always the, that fuzziness that we're trying to get uh, straightened out because as equal opportunity reach, uh, challenges religious freedom, you know, which one is going to 
prevail. And under the past administration, he was clear that equal opportunity would prevail. Religious liberty would fall victim to any other special interest group or whatever. You had to accommodate them regardless of your conscience or your or your faith. But now we're seeing a transition, hopefully, that uh, religious liberty and the RIFRA law that uh, is always that's still in place um, will give the chaplain and religious people an opportunity to object or gracefully not have to compromise their faith. Obviously, with respect and dignity for everybody, it's not a an issue like that. It's just, I would need the right to, I can't compromise my faith. Well, we also have almost a catch-22 situation here, where on the one hand, there is the supposed non-discrimination dictum under civil law and under uh, the military code as well. But by the same token, the military also recognizes that chaplains must follow the precepts of their of their faith. Lutherans, Baptists, Catholics, doesn't matter. They have to follow it. It's part of the law. Absolutely. And that's what's so wonderful about it is because the very reason that the system we have now of endorsing agents or churches sending their pastors, priests, rabbis, whatever professionally trained is because the government can't establish a religion. So therefore, the government can't say this is what a chaplain looks like. The chaplain comes in with their theology of their faith group that mm-hmm. you know represents America. So when they are endorsed, they are expected to follow the tenets of the faith of the church or organization, religious organization that has endorsed them. Well, I'm looking at a uh, case right now. We have a, a chaplain in Fort Bragg, Armory Chaplain Scott Squires. And uh, while he was, cha- while he was uh, stationed at Fort Bragg last year, what happened there was uh, he was to have a uh, uh, an op- a uh, a meeting with a marriage counseling, basically a marriage thing, a marriage encounter with people, and a lesbian couple wanted to join in the retreat. He couldn't, in good conscience, do that. His faith required him marriages between a man and a woman, so he followed army policy. However, the couple complained it was discrimination, and the military investigation was launched and. He's being recommended for discipline, even though he followed the Army's own guidelines. Yeah, that's a, a very interesting uh, situation. And uh, we, of course, are watching that very carefully. Um, and it, it's just a brand new situation. And so I know it's still being adjudicated by the Army. So we're hoping that the Army does the right thing and exonerates this chaplain for following policy and law, not just policy, but actually the RIFRA law, the First Amendment, and even the National Defense Authorization Act, which clearly spells out that a chaplain cannot be forced to compromise their conscience or their faith group uh, policies, and they can't be reprimanded uh, for doing that. So he's clearly standing on uh, you know, policy and law. And the other part that he did in his case is he did treat this uh, these uh, folks with dignity and respect and tried to accommodate them. In fact, he even uh, referred them to another chaplain who would oversee it. Exactly. So he did everything he possibly could do. And as a Lutheran Church, Church Missouri Senate endorser, that's what I would expect my chaplains to do, the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate chaplains mm-hmm. to do, not to compromise, but to, you know, or their faith or their ordination vows, and but do what they can to 
do what they can to make sure that they get uh, the help they need without compromising who they are. I guess I was trying to say accommodate or facilitate for them. But clearly this is a case, Kip, that uh, I I really am watching carefully because depending on how the Army reacts to this, it could be an interesting future as we go further on uh, what – what what's going to rule here? And it kind of goes back to what I said before. Right now, it's the equal opportunity folks who didn't understand religious liberty mm-hmm. and thought this guy had discriminated against these soldiers. When in fact he didn't. He tried to accommodate them. He was following his religious liberty and law of being faithful to his conscience, his church, and in his in his God. And again, I think it's important to stress that the the military itself says that chaplains must follow the dictates of the endorsing authority, for example, the LCMS. It also says that they can that they can that they have to make accommodations which do not violate their conscience. And as the chaplain did in this case, and has been done in other cases, uh, there was the case of the uh, of the uh, of the uh, commanding officer who did not want to sign a certificate oh, of appreciation right. for a same-sex spouse, so he got a major general to do it. <laughs> right, and thankfully that one was adjudicated, and he his it was he was he was cleared of all that. But that took a while. To, yeah, it did because the same it's basically the same situation of uh, you know the Riffer Law or the Religious Freedom and Restoration Act versus is. This an equal opportunity or really a legitimate discrimination uh, issue here. And, and, you know, we don't have a military like Nazi Germany had or the old Soviet Union had. I mean, we have we have limitations on what our soldiers can do. Remember, the oaths our soldiers take is to the Constitution, not to the president, not to the commanding general, but to the Constitution. And there are simply some orders that their superiors cannot give. Absolutely. Yeah, it's drilled into every service member's uh, since from boot camp, basic training, officer candidate school, the academies that we are taking an oath to defend the Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic, and also not to obey an unlawful order. Because uh, even if you're, it's not an excuse if your commanding officer told you to go slaughter this whole village, mm-hmm. you can't say, well, he gave me an order, we also have the responsibility and the rule of law to disobey an unlawful order to protect life and do the right thing. And certainly the war crimes trial after World War II established under international law that I was only following orders is no longer an excuse. No, it's not. It's everyone's responsible for their actions and they need to, that's why again, they have their moral courage and their code of conduct and code of values and core values grounded. And of course, we as Christians have always known following orders is no excuse. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) My guest today has been Chaplain Craig Mueller, who is the director of the LCMS Ministry to the Armed Forces. We have some challenges, but we have some promises that are coming our way, and we always remember God is on our side. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Craig. You bet. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen.
Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.